0: Hello, everyone. I'm Frank Gars with Lean Startup Company, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show. Today's topic is innovating the writing process, how change is coming to the publishing world. And moderating the discussion is our own Lean Startup Company faculty member, Elliot Souzel. Our guest is co founder of Prolifico and author of How to Have a Happy Hustle, Beck Evans. And with that, I'll hand things off to Elliot.
1: Hello, my friends, and welcome. My name is Elliot Sussel, senior faculty member at Lean Startup Company. And today we're going to be talking about the intersection of lean startup and innovation and publishing, which I think is a really interesting space. With us to do that, we have an expert in publishing, a writer and co-founder of Prolifico, uh, Beck Evans. Welcome to the Lean Startup Company webcast.
0: Thank you for having me
1: awesome we've got a ton of stuff that we're going to be talking about today i'm particularly interested in this intersection of publishing with lean startup but before we dive into that i'd love to talk first a little bit about your background what brought you to this place and um i know you also have been doing a whole heck of a lot of writing i want to talk a little bit about that process for you Uh, and then we'll get into the main topic so Um, Talk to us about your interest in publishing and and, um, how you ultimately came to found a company.
0: Okay, so I have always wanted to work with books and in publishing and I've spent my whole career, so coming up for 20 years in publishing. I started off as a bookseller and then worked in fairly traditional magazine and then book publishing. And for a while, I managed a writer's retreat centre. And that was what got me really interested in the Lean Startup and Principles. I had this idea for an app that would help people write. And I was really interested in how behavioural science was applied to creative projects, and whether that would help people start and finish their writing. And that ended up with me sort of digging into what it, what it would be like to work in a quite a fast iterative way. And I got a job as head of innovation for a publisher and I was running prolifico. As you go a side further, hustle.
1: Cause this is so interesting, by the way, I just want to point out for lean startup folks, this all started in a world in which you were interacting a lot with people who might be your target customer, Right.
0: Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's exactly the same principle because I was with writers every single day mm-hmm. and they all had the same problem. They were all had brilliant ideas and lots of them were incredibly talented, but they could never seem to finish their writing. And that was the kind of problem I thought, could... Could technology help with that? And I was obsessed with my my phone. I was tracking absolutely everything. And I just thought, can that apply to creative practice like writing? And that was the kind of problem I set out to solve with Prolifico.
1: Nice. Yes. And so, you know, intersection here of a real customer with a real problem and starting with like a customer problem fit is a really good way to be moving forward. Okay. So you saw this problem. You were interacting with a lot of folks. You started to mention you were doing some stuff with technology, had some ideas for directions that you could go in. Um, Talk to us a little bit about how you ultimately decided, oh, hey, wait a minute, we could could maybe start a company around doing this. Because I know a lot of folks that watch this webcast are potentially interested in starting a company or have recently started a company and love to hear about others that are doing the same. Talk to us a little bit more about that journey.
0: I think it all starts with that idea and it gives you that momentum to keep going and for me I had worked in publishing beforehand and I'd worked in digital but the projects I'd worked on then were kind of like really big infrastructure projects that have a very fixed beginning and an end and it was this was about five or so years ago and it was really changing about how people could be empowered to do something themselves and move quite quickly and by themselves. So I was reading absolutely everything and teaching myself absolutely everything. But at the same time as starting a business, I needed to pay pay the rent. So I ended up going back into publishing and got this amazing job as head of innovation, which meant I could practice in my day job all of these sorts of skills, um, like rapid prototyping, user testing, just Everything and on the side, in my spare time, I was kind of fiddling around with, with with prototypes and trying to build this app and this project myself.
1: Nice. Now I know a lot of folks that listen to this webcast in particular are interested in the type of job, such as head of innovation. That title sounds really interesting. How do you actually find and get that kind of job? And I'm—I'll dig into my next question too because I'm so eager to hear like the sorts of ways in which you were doing experimentation or learning or prototyping in in the environment you were working in.
0: Yeah, so the the head of innovation job, I I got that because I started doing something myself and I was quite honest that I had a bit of a side hustle going on and that really helped because I was working for this publisher, I was in a fairly traditional, it's called like, you're called a publisher, I was managing a list of books and a list of journals And they knew I was playing around with technology and trying out all these different things. And that got the company quite excited. So they created Mm -hmm. this role. So it was incredibly exciting to be able to set up my own department that looked at um, rapid prototyping and testing ideas with customers. But the one thing I learned, and it would be great to share a little bit about kind of how publishing works, is that... um, the 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 structures in place haven't changed for tens if not um, hundreds of years in how long it takes to write and edit and typeset and then print and distribute a book it's a very slow process and it was really fascinating being able to sort of innovate along alongside that and see where the potential was where you could do something a bit more interesting
1: yeah, so you've got an industry now where stuff hasn't changed in a really long time. One of the challenges that a lot of folks I think encounter when they're working with bigger organizations that are trying to do big change is that you know they see like ah it's always been done this way, right? And they hit a lot of resistance. So I think it was Admiral Grace Hopper who says something to the effect of the most dangerous phrase in the uh, English language is uh, we because we've always done it that way. Um, so how do you go into an environment where you said for hundreds of years, it's been done this one way and start to propose, what if we did it this other way?
0: Well, I, I suppose my expectation was when I was first working in innovation that I thought I'd get to work on these really exciting product. I kind of thought I'm going to make cool stuff. And actually you, you hit the buffers quite quickly on something like that, because I realized that. The the role of innovation is really around culture, and it's around people, and it's about bringing bringing a company along with you. And this is an experience that's common across lots of different sectors, but also particularly within publishing. And I've got some other examples of how other publishers have been able to overcome that as well. So there's this one publisher in England called uh, Pan Macmillan, and they've been going for 176 years, and they produce a whole range of uh, fiction sort of literary and novels and uh, non-fiction books yeah and um it can take them up to two years to get a book uh, published from the moment it's submitted um it can be a bit faster for non-fiction it could be around a year but the lead times are so slow and it's it's just exactly like old waterfall project management where you have to do one task after another and it really feels like you're limiting the opportunity for innovation but this publisher in particular they have a, a, a digital team which is sit sat within their comms department so it's really close to their customers um, and they just had were very enthusiastic about setting up different projects where they could play around a little bit. And they just learned so much from that whole process. So I know one project they did was um, to set up chatbots on Facebook. And they kind of did this a couple of years ago and they got it out there and they realized really quickly that the customers weren't ready for it and they were really confused. Okay. But the main thing they learned was that their systems weren't in place because they, it's, it's called, there's something, there's this term within publishing that you call traditional publishers, legacy publishers. And okay. they did like legacy data, like really old files. And they literally couldn't pull in the data to feed a chatbot. Um, and so that's their biggest learning. So what they had to do is they had to spend two years redoing all their data. And for most startups, that would pretty much kill you off. You know you can't survive for two years but when you're looking at a publisher that's been going for you know nearly a couple hundred years it's actually fairly small that you put in place some of the processes that enable you to innovate faster and that was exactly my experience when i was working in house that you can run small experiments but fundamentally you have to look at the whole company and all the systems that are in place that give you that vantage point to sort of leap forward And and that's what I find really exciting around publishing is there's so many new startups who are, whether you call it disrupting or just they can start from from the blank canvas, particularly those who have a digital background. They can go, right, we're going to be lean from day one. Um, And that just gives it so much energy to the whole sector.
1: Mm -hmm. So as you were doing some of the some of the work that you you were well what do we really want to say here as you're exploring new areas right surely you hit some amount of resistance that you have to disarm um what do you do in those sorts of situations because i have to think that some of these same techniques regardless of industry can be applied uh to to get through those situations so h- how did you navigate those sorts of situations when you encountered them?
0: Well, I think any change management process is fundamentally all about people. So communication becomes absolutely top of that. Um, And I found I was using when we were making product, we were using things like empathy maps and sort of tools to understand our users and our customers better. But actually, I found you can do that to um, work with your own colleagues. So we created a whole series of empathy maps for different roles within an organization, which meant we could figure out what for example the finance department what's really bothering them as opposed to the the kind of the c-suite and the people who were working in marketing and in traditional publishing roles and it just helped us tailor our messages so when we ran workshops we could figure out how how could we communicate better with those people and bring them along with us
1: nice you know it's funny i was just re-listening to radical candor and one of the lines that really stood out to me is someone was really frustrated that something didn't go the way they'd expected and the author asks you know well like did you account for how they felt about what was happening and so that that i think is in strong alignment and you're right that in some ways it almost doesn't matter if you're onto an awesome amazing game changing solution if you can't get everybody else to come along with you um and that does sound similar in this industry as it does to other industries So then, um, you, at some point, you've been in the publishing space for quite a while, you decide to write your own book, right?
0: (laughs) Yes, yeah. I mean, it goes back to that sort of childhood dream. That's probably what I always wanted to do when I was visiting the library as a tiny child, is I wanted to make those books myself. And it's sort of like a long apprenticeship working in publishing. Um, But yeah, so, a couple of years ago, I did a proposal for a book that got picked up by an agent and then a publisher. And what's really interesting is the, the book itself is about innovation. So yes. I wanted to apply principles of innovation to the whole writing process. And, you know, it seemed like that proposal was the first prototype. It was the first thing I had that tested the idea. Are people interested in this book? And so I visited lots of different publishers and they all gave me feedback on it and what would work and what wouldn't. And that helps you iterate and improve what the overall book was. And that set me along the whole process of involving um, beta readers throughout the the whole writing process like checking back everything with this group just to see is this what the audience wants are they confused and it's it's hard to manage but it meant that i was able to iterate as i was writing and if anybody said i'm confused i don't like it this is boring this doesn't work for me you have to figure out well why are they thinking that and what can i do to make that better
1: nice you know a phrase that i often use when describing the lean startup is you know, a simple question. Is there anything we can do less than building the whole thing, right? Less than building the whole thing. that would teach us whether or not the whole thing is worth doing. What's that little slice? Um, And it's interesting to hear that you too thought about your book writing process in that same way of like, hey, wait a minute. What is the least amount I need to do to start to get meaning feedback to ensure that I go like this way, or I go that way? Uh, And the intersection there with lean startup is pretty obvious. Now At what point in your career, right, you're doing work in innovation, um, you've been in the publishing space, you're also now writing your book, at what point did you bump up against lean startup as a methodology and and learn sort of how that works and, and the way that we approach problems?
0: It was, it was very early on. So, um, I can't remember when the book came out in the UK, probably 2014. And I've, I've got a photo of me with my first lean startup book. Cause I remember I was wearing a pair of trainers and coat that was the same color as the cover. And I guess so I take a photo of this. Cause it just, I was like, it was like, I was in this uniform, this lean startup uniform in brand colors. But it was the the moment I read that amongst you know other things, just just changed the, the, the way I thought about things. And it was, you, once you have that lens to view what's going on around you, and always asking those questions, like what's the smallest thing I can do? What's the hypothesis? How can I test that? What do I do with the feedback when I get it? And what what does that mean? And it's almost like everything is a, is a prototype. Everything is an MVP. And just taking your own sense of ego out of it you're not the best Mm -hmm. judge of your ideas you're not the best judge of your of your product and it also means that you never you never fail because everything is an experiment just because an experiment has failed doesn't mean your whole idea has failed and you have to figure out what's going on and i think it's a very it gives you a lot of confidence because it takes the emotion out of what you're doing
1: yes there's so much there that i want to talk about oh my gosh so one piece that you hit on that I think is really great is the emotion piece, yep. right? Like not everybody acknowledges ego risk is one of the main forms of risk to a project yep. or venture, but the belief that we're headed in the right direction is perhaps one of the most dangerous obstacles to navigate. Um, and so I like that you hit on that, that sense of ego risk. Uh, gosh, if I had a dollar... <laughs> Yeah. Every time I talk to a startup founder who'd convince themselves. Now I bet I bet you could tell me this is a similar situation, right? Getting funding, venture funding, and trying to find a publisher for a book. Because when you're seeking VC funds, you almost have to like convince yourself that everything is perfect and present this view of the world. Like, isn't it magical and see we could get this like hockey stick growth and right? And like I have to think that when you're pitching a book our book idea to different potential publishers, that it's a similar vein, or do we have to present as if it's the most magical wonderful things, and sliced bread even though in the back of your head you might be like
0: is it really
1: um is that a similar dynamic
0: it's absolutely so you could say a proposal for a book is very much like a, a pitch deck Yep. And it outlines everything: your market, um, the content, the unique selling points, you know, all the benefits, you know, what essentially even what problem it's solving, and how they're going to sell it. And what you do is you present it as you would a startup. Um, and I've done many of those pitches myself and um, but then you sit back and you take the feedback and that was phenomenal for me to have have experts so um, a publisher would be an expert in the same way that a VC would but also they will say this isn't for us this isn't for our market and again you can't take that too personally because you can't say Mm. you know it is You, you don't you don't know as much as them you can't argue with them you need to kind of listen to what they say, take it on board and think, well, what can I do about that? And sometimes you can't do anything. Um, Other times you can go, actually, I can make this better and I can be more determined. And I would say being an author is very much like being a startup founder and having gone from being in publishing and then doing my side hustle, then starting a startup and then writing a book. It's a lot of the same skills and attitudes that are needed.
1: Yes. Yes, I you know and perhaps you could speak to this a little bit but I have to think that the mental toughness required to be getting that kind of feedback either on a book proposal or to start your own company is actually very very similar.
0: It it is and I think there's some there's some really exciting writers that are coming out or have been working in San Francisco and in the valley who are using those principles in their writing. So I mean I can list a few examples from you know guy kawasaki he uses Mm. loads of beta readers very very famously jake knapp who wrote sprint his latest book make time he had 1700 people read that Mm. early copy could you imagine trying to deal with feedback on that scale um and there's um people who write fiction as well so one of my favorite fiction writers is a guy called robin sloan who works at twitter Mm. and he he um just posted a very early version of his novel novel up online just to get feedback. So it's the idea that, that for me, I treated my book as a prototype all the way through and everything I did, whether it was the proposal, the table of contents, I just put that online on a Google doc and just said, people tear it to pieces. And the amount of comments I got just meant that when I was writing it, I knew exactly what landed and what didn't. And when I had the first draft and there's, um, first drafts aren't good first drafts are hideous they're really really embarrassing it's that whole ship before you're ready i just send that out to my beta readers and some of them were experts and some of them were target audience and i needed that mix to be able to get the right level of feedback but they um fed right the way you know they some people it was pretty harsh some people just went this doesn't work this is confusing this is boring other people it's nice when you get good feedback because it kind of, it keeps you going. So I think you need that mix, but it's all about that mental toughness. And again, it's like for your first book, it's very much an expression of you and your experience. So my first book is it's nonfiction. It's called how to have a happy hustle and it's a complete guide to making your ideas happen. So it's about innovation processes. So I had to, I had to write it in that way. Um, So It felt like an expression of me and my experience, but I had to take the ego out of it because it's like founder bias, isn't it? In a startup, I'm not the best judge. I'm not the person, I might be writing this, but I'm not the the ideal reader. So I had to have a kind of different persona in mind.
1: Amazing, yes. You know, it it sometimes can be hard to hear the feedback that, that customers give and you're totally spot on that that blend of, really critical stuff with some amount of keep going, you're onto something, keep going, is really rewarding. Um, Because at some point, I imagine, and I'd be eager to hear if you felt this was the case, you arrive at a destination where, hey, wait a minute, the keep going stuff and this is really good feedbacks is dominant and there's not a whole heck of a lot of the, I don't know what you're doing here or the, the negative sort of feedback. At what point do you decide, actually, I think I'm done iterating, it's time to go live. It's time to ship.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, when I talked about sort of book publishing, you, you're working to an editorial process. So you, you kind of stuck the deadlines. Unlike when you're a startup, you can set your own deadlines. You can, you you know i mean it's hard as you get get larger but i was working to a publisher i committed to them i was under contract to deliver by a certain time Ah. so working with them and bringing them on board is you know they're the key stakeholder so my publisher was just amazing they're a small independent publisher in the uk called icon books and i and i said to them if you're up for doing this um, book this is how we're going to work and they said you know hell yes let's try it so they were really open to 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 trying innovation practices and that made a big difference but i still had to submit on time Mm -hmm. um and so in some sense you you can't be perfectionist because you 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 have to ship uh but also because publishing means things get they get edited it gets um proofread it gets typeset experts get to look at it so you have a team around you who are helping you make it as good as possible
1: yeah yeah the parallels there are just so so remarkably similar right like you've got your deadline which is kind of like how a startup has runway yeah and like you got to have evidence demonstrating the next level of maturity by that point in time now i get that the contract for book publishing is a little bit different but okay so that's how you figure out when you're going to ship and then from there You're trying to get as good as you can before that launch date. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit, right? So you you shared your background, how you arrived in the innovation space, and then ultimately how now you've got your own book coming out. I want to hear a little bit more about the content of the book, if you're open to sharing some of those ideas, right? Like, what sorts of things are contained within this book and maybe even some of the lessons that are applicable to, you know, folks that are doing innovation work within big companies where you see some parallels will be really interesting for our audience. We've got a lot of folks that are in an enterprise context yeah. uh, and I bet you some of the stuff that you shared will be really applicable to what they're doing.
0: Yeah. So the the book is, um, you know, the the kind of subtitle is The Complete Guide to Making Your Ideas Happen. And what it kind of does is it takes innovation principles and startup principles, including lots of lean principles. um, And there is a tried and tested methodology that people can apply. So though people's ideas and their startups and their businesses are completely unique, there's certain things you can do to give them a better chance. Uh, and it, it starts right at the beginning with um, finding the right problem to solve. So some people have an idea fully formed. Other people kind of go, I want to do something, but I don't know where to start. So it starts off with, um, you know, looking for for problems and then how you start generating solutions. And just some of the, the, the stuff I, I got to, I interviewed tons of people who worked in innovation and in startups and so so many great examples of what people do so literally from things like how you generate ideas how you have brainstorms how you kill ideas how most ideas will die and how you don't get too attached to them and then there's that whole principle of how quickly you start prototyping and the difference between a prototype which might help kind of Get, tell the story of an idea and then what an mvp is and um that's where lean really comes into its own for me because i think prototyping and mvps they are different things uh, and a lot of people don't really understand the difference and it's quite helpful when you you have something which is minimal and viable and then you can start you know literally selling in that idea and getting out and selling something as quickly as possible is the best test of an idea. Will people pay for it?
1: Yes. Um, it, it's on a really interesting concept, right? Both of us are like, ah, oh, there's so much to say here. <laughs> the, the concept uh, I'll be brief is uh, as, as I've heard it described is called currency. Yeah. Right. Like what is the form of currency that you're getting from someone that indicates that they are in fact really interested in the thing that they say yeah. they're interested in, right. Yeah. And giving you money, is a pretty high confidence indicator, right? Pretty high form of currency. Um, And in this case, it is actual currency compared to, oh yeah, I'm I'm really interested in that. (laughs) Which like, Yeah. yeah, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Let's see what they actually do, not what they say they'll do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's currency is just a form of commitment. So you know, so will people give you money? Will they run a pilot with you? Will they give you an introduction to their VP of sales? You know, it's like what does what does that commitment look like? And for some people, it's social. So if you pitch to somebody and you're saying, actually introduce me to your boss that currency probably is as much, if not more, than the, than actually giving you money because they don't want to risk their reputation. You know very quickly when you've left that meeting whether or not you've moved forward because you've asked them the right question. And the book that really helped me with this, I don't know if you've read it, it's called The Mom Test by Rob Fitzpatrick.
1: Oh, no, I haven't read it.
0: So hes um, he went through uh, Y Combinator and set up a, a, a few businesses and he uh, really dug into what it meant to... Uh, figure out whether people think your idea is any good and it's all about selling and um, what's really interesting is i was just a beta reader on his second book that he's just been writing at the moment and Mm -hmm. again he uses all of those principles of getting stuff out there sharing it using feedback but you're right currency is everything and getting people to commit to something makes such a difference and the sooner you can do that on the smallest possible version with the the least amount of money and time the more likely you are and i think for me i mean i have these kind of principles behind the book but a lot of it is around um, keeping motivated and keeping enjoying what you're doing and i think it's very hard for people to start something it's hard there's so many barriers and my point is like, just enjoy the process. And there's so many points of building something where you can get huge fulfillment, you can learn new skills, you can engage with people, whether they're your customers, whether they're your uh, you know, early champions, people who you work with. And I'm trying to like, at each stage of the process, I'm saying, you know, this is where you find a bit of happiness. This is where the fulfillment lies. Because I've, I've found that when you speak to founders, They do want to make stuff, they do want to make money, there is ambition there, but actually the top reason people often give is just the fulfillment. They just love doing what they do and I think that's what drives the persistence that will fundamentally make a startup or a new business a success.
1: Yes, if you do not bring a ton of passion and a ton of fortitude, Uh, it might not come from somewhere else, yeah. Right? You got to you gotta bring that yourself. And, you know, bringing that full circle, right? You got to have that toughness to take the feedback yeah. and the drive to keep pushing through the negative feedback to ultimately arrive at the good stuff. Now, I'd be eager to hear if this has been your experience as well in the um, publishing space. But what I often find with an idea, especially when it is not particularly well informed from a real customer problem necessarily, is that it takes three to five iterations and changing focus in order to even start to arrive at a place where it's like, oh, now we might be onto something. And it might even sound a little crazy compared to where we thought we were going to be going originally. Has that been the case with sort of the writing process and publishing as well?
0: Absolutely, I mean, pivot is kind of fundamental <laughs> to so much of what what you do and it's like if you, if you are genuine about asking for feedback or taking on board um you know evidence and data it does mean you have to change uh, and that's it's it's as, it's as simple as that so whether or not you're you're writing a book you know if you wait until a book is published particularly a a print book in a very traditional setting it's it's too late to be able to iterate because what are they going to do? They've just printed thousands of copies. You need to get that feedback um, much, much earlier on. And doing that while you're writing and doing that with uh, if you're going a traditional route um, with a publisher makes a big difference. But I think this is where technology is really exciting within the publishing space. So whether you're looking at platforms like uh, Wattpad and Novellas where people can upload their stories and, you know, the, the very famous story of that would be E.L. James and Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm. You know, she she wrote that as fan fiction and she had she had thousands of readers who were reading it online. So she was posting up the next installment because they were desperate to read it. <laughs> and that's what, and that was, you know, it's a very early form of feedback. And I would say that, but that's not... Um, that's not new you know Charles Dickens who was writing in the mid 19th century he was writing for um, it's called serial publication so he would be writing a chapter each of his books is written a chapter at a time with like a cliffhanger at the end of each chapter and his readers then would be really upset that he'd killed someone or what's going to happen next and he would use that feedback as he wrote but what's really exciting is that technology enables us to do that much faster. And I think that the authors who are embracing that um, have a much better chance of success, as you can see with EL James.
1: Yeah. 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 I think that's so interesting. The, the overlap here is just so remarkable to me with the lean startup process and the process you're describing and you've been through, as well as the publishing process and the opportunities that exists there. Pretty remarkable. I feel like we've covered really quite a lot of ground, um, starting with your background, driving into publishing, into innovation, into the process of writing a book, now to the book that you have coming out to the world. Um, When does that book go live? When is is it available for everybody to see?
0: it's um publishing in the uk at the beginning of may but it won't be out in the us until fall so i need to get the pub date on that but you can order online and get the uk copy so
1: there you go you can get your very own uk copy and unlike (laughs) working on technology or a website right you've done all your iterating before you go live (laughs) because there's no changing it once it's gone live so we know it's probably in a pretty good place. That is awesome to hear that you've used this process in this way, found it to be valuable. Are there any other major topics that we haven't covered today that- Yeah. No, no, please.
0: No, I was just gonna say that I think what i'm really excited about with publishing that it's it often it gets given quite a bad um rep that people kind of think that it's um you know it's the death of the book no one's going to be reading print books anymore and there has been huge change in kind of digital technology and audiobooks and ebooks has completely transformed kind of how people read and what they read and i think voice is going to be phenomenal over the next few years And I've I found that there's a new breed of kind of technology startups that that are where the really exciting stuff is happening now because they are starting with lean at their hearts. And there's a couple of UK startups, which I think are doing some really, really cool work at the moment. One of them is Wonderbly, which is a they Mm. call themselves a personalized publisher. And they literally set up with a hypothesis. How about how what if we published a book like you make a startup and from the first thing they did was like, you know, one copy audience feedback. And it's, it's a real kind of intersection of kind of publishing and book selling. Cause they sell direct to the customer, mm. but also engineering and technology and they create personalized stories for children, which are really representative and they have sold millions over the last, I think they've, they've not even been going five years yet. Mm. Um, And there's some really interesting stuff going on with um, mobile stories. There's another startup called Unread, who um, had a mobile story, and they saw themselves as publishing technology, but they have within the space of about 18 months, they're much more like a a sort of a Netflix because they do Mm. subscription stories that are read on the mobile through messaging. um, And people are just obsessed because they're so addictive, and it's a great way of delivering stories to people, which at the heart of it is what publishing is all about.
1: Nice, nice. It is interesting to hear that the space is getting transformed um, and change is coming. So then let me ask you this question. The, cris- the moment where we ask you to look into the crystal ball. <laughs> so wh- what do you think the future of publishing looks like? Or even if I ask it this way, a classic question, if you could wave a magic wand, <laughs> what would the publishing process be? Where do you think it's headed?
0: I think we'll still be reading old-fashioned print books I don't think that's I don't think that's really going to it's been so everyone keeps saying it's not going to they're going to die off everyone's going to be reading digitally it hasn't happened so I think printed books will always have a place in our hearts Um, I think voice is going to be really transformative because so much of what we do now is audio and I think that is where the really exciting stuff is going to happen whether that's even like choosing discoverability of books like how you choose and pick a book as well as how you read it Um, but for me what I really want is um, I want old-fashioned publishers to still exist I would just like them to work a bit faster and a bit more audience focused, basically. that's kind of comes down to it at heart. Because I think they are stuck with some processes, but there is huge potential for innovation, and which, which can be an efficiency. And focusing on whose stories need to be heard and who, how people find those stories, I think is the most important thing for the future.
1: Nice. Yes. You know, you bring up kind of an interesting point here about how the information is conveyed, audio book versus print book. Because ultimately, when we think about what problem are we solving, it's not necessarily that somebody wants to own a book or own uh, the media in any particular form. They want the content contained within the pages. So how do they consume it? And that's where audio books go in kind of an interesting direction, totally different way to consume the exact same stuff solves the core problem I had potentially, which was just to see what was on the pages, right? And well, we didn't need the pages after all in the first place. Um, I think that is interesting and I'm eager to see how the solution space continues to evolve. Uh, Before we start to wrap up, are there any other big topics or things that we should talk about?
0: I would say that the biggest problem that publishing faces which is the one that we all face at the moment is not having the time to read or to listen to stories Mm. and I don't know how we fix that one yet
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: so that's a problem out there for 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 your audience to fix because we're all too busy
1: yeah well you, you know when I think about a parallel to other industries right there's only so much time to read books or listen to them or consume them in any way right um and If you look at another industry, you look at the food industry, there's only so many humans and so many calories that should be consumed. (laughs) And they've done some interesting things to get humans to consume more calories. Not that I necessarily think that's a good thing, but that was an expandable universe to some extent. Um, And I wonder then, okay, so how do we do the same sort of expansion for people's availability and time for consuming these books? Um, either getting or creating ways for them to consume more or making it easier to consume or um, maybe there's some other things that I'm not even thinking of we're not even thinking of that will profoundly change the way we get books into our brains in the future
0: yeah I think it comes down to distraction as well like paying attention because Mm. reading is one of the few things that you you it's a solo activity you can't multitask while you're reading because you're not reading and that's where the pleasure people who like reading and love books like that kind of deep immersion into a story and you can't get that anywhere else and that's the thing that we need to stop distraction i suppose
1: yes distraction the enemy of of reading <laughs> and you're right like i, I hadn't thought about the fact that you really can't multitask when you're reading a book but Uh, I guess that's why I like audiobooks. Do the dishes and listen to the (laughs) book. Well, I have really enjoyed chatting with you today, sort of eye-opening to see all of the connections between the lean startup process and the publishing process and the way in which you can merge the two to ultimately get a better book, which again, your book is on its way out really, really soon, which is really exciting. If folks want to learn more about you, your book, your process, where can they find you?
0: Um, so you can find me online. The book is called How to Have a Happy Hustle, and there's a HappyHustleBook.com. So just go to the website. Uh, I, my business that I'm a co-founder of is called Prolifico, P-R-O-L-I-F-I-K-O.com, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and all the usual places
1: amazing amazing and remind us again the the kind of work that your company does so if someone did want to reach out to you what sorts of things should they contact you about
0: so it's a it- productivity tool for writers so it helps people start and finish their writing projects and it's a mix of technology uh training and sort of consultancy and it's a whole we work with individuals and with organizations and we work with particularly sort of academics and businesses as well so helping people write what they need to write and get it out into the world
1: i'm not saying i need to chat with you about that soon (laughs) but i need to (laughs) chat with you about that soon thank you so much for being on our webcast Again, my name is Elliot Seussel. We've had the pleasure of chatting with Beck Evans. Thank you again for being here. And my friends, um, we've got more of these webcasts coming. If you enjoyed listening to this, you should like and subscribe. Uh, and until next time, you take care. See you, everybody.